Welcome to the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I Andrew Zimmel back at it again with another week of Hypnotoad action. A lot of horn frog stuff to get to. Got to talk about the uh, big game this weekend against the University of Texas. And look, when you do a weekly podcast, you get a little bit of time in between these things, right? You can put a podcast out and you can reflect, you can analyze, you can think before you speak. And that's what we're going to do. Because if we record this podcast Thursday night, after the loss to Lubbock, in a loss in Lubbock, I would have had a lot of things to say. But luckily, I still have a lot of things to say, but now I'm going to come from a more peaceful, zen place. Before we get into that, our lessons learned in Lubbock, what we can take away from that, what we can take into this game this weekend against the University of Texas. i got to remind you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get the Hypnotoad podcast, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your audio medium. Check us out. Subscribe, rate, review. It helps build the brand. We're growing, we're growing, we're growing, and it's because of you and your support. So thank you for that. Also, if you want to win a free college sports koozie, you can do so by leaving a rating review on Apple Podcasts and sending it to my boss, Pete Mundo, Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. You send the review from Apple Podcasts, preferably a good review, but you can send any review. Screenshot it, attach it to it. Email, send it to Pete Mundo, and he will send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. All right, let's talk. This is the biggest game of the year before the season. Now the last three games of the season for TCU are all must-win games. If they want to become bowl eligible, they have to win these next three games. Or, in my opinion, they have to at least play well enough to win these last three games because not only is bowl eligibility on the line here, but their job's on the line here. We'll talk about that in a minute. I thought before the season that this week, this game against Texas, was the game of the year. A team coming off a national championship appearance, a team coming off of a Cinderella story. You look at the schedule before the season, you circle the University of Texas because this is not only the last time these two teams will be playing for the foreseeable future, but you circle this game because in the preseason, I said, TCU potentially could be a one or two loss team. Well, they've proven to almost quadruple that at this point. They've proven that they could lose games at every single uh, turn. They could they could find a way to lose a game. Now this game matters because it's at 6.30 p.m. on ABC. It is a primetime, nationally televised event. And this is what I think most people are going to chalk up to as lambs to the slaughter for TCU. What do I mean by that? Well, Texas right now is currently constructed is being talked about as a national title contender. And what better way to boost Texas's stock in the minds of not only those guys down in Austin, but also in the minds of maybe uh, the college football playoff committee, is to beat the team that just played for a national title. Now, you and I both know this TCU team is not last year's TCU team. Light years different from last year's team. That is undeniable at this point. But most people are coming into this game this weekend, I would say the casual fan, the casual college football observers, coming into this game thinking that this is a team that knocked off Michigan last year, this is a team that got boat raced by Georgia, but maybe on a different day, maybe in a different you know, uh, situation, maybe if for whatever reason, you know, maybe a guy gets more sleep at night, maybe uh, <laughs> the game calls from Sunny Dykes are just a little bit better, maybe Max Duggan plays the best game of his life, Maybe TCU wins that game against Georgia last year if everything goes right. 
Okay, so this could this is a runner-up national championship last year. This is going to build the stock of Texas. Now, those of us that watch this Horn Frog team and watch college football every single weekend know that this is David versus Goliath. This is a team that did everything they could possibly do to lose last Thursday night against uh, Texas Tech in Lubbock. All right, this is what I want to talk about. Is these are the takeaways. First time you lose to Texas Tech since 2018. What changed? What were you not expecting? What, when you come into a game like this off a of bye week, what were you thinking? Right? What, what was going through your head and the coaching staff here? So TCU abandoned the run game almost entirely on Thursday night. Uh, Josh Hoover threw the ball 50 plus times, 52 times uh, in that loss. Imani Bailey. 19 carries with 26 total rushing attempts for 87 yards. TCU as a total had 26 rushing attempts. Uh, he rushed for two end zone or two red zone touches for touchdowns, uh, but 19 carries for one of the most talented running backs in the Big 12. And by definition of that, right, if you're the best running back, one of the best running backs in the Big 12, you are one of the best running backs in college football. You're on the short list of running backs in college football. The fact that TCU has not been able to run the ball this season, you can blame it on the offensive line. I think that that's a fair uh, complaint. You can blame it on playing calling. Sonny Dykes, Kendall Bryles, that pairing clearly is not working. You can blame it on the fact that uh, Chandler Morris is hurt. right? Like If Morris is behind center, TCU doesn't trail in most of these games, I imagine, and maybe you can run the ball a little bit more because you will be up in your running clock. Maybe those are all parts of it, and they probably are. They probably are all parts of the reason that TCU's running game has struggled these past few weeks. But you got to figure it out. And TCU has not been able to do that. They've not been able to figure it out. Hoover throwing the ball 51 times per game in the last three starts. The freshman throwing the ball 50-plus times. If this was 2007, versus 2023, and you had a freshman throwing the ball 51 times, the national media would be having a circus about how the team down in Fort Worth is putting all of their faith into the young, relatively unproven hands of a freshman. But instead, because of the way college football operates now, because it is air raid, because it is spread them out, because it is throw the ball around the backyard, nobody cares. Nobody blinks an eye. Well, I'll tell you. On this podcast, we do care. I do care about the fact that you're putting all of this pressure, all of the, um, all pretty much the entire team on the shoulders of a unproven, relatively talented. I'd say he's a talented quarterback. I don't think I'm going to take that away from him. He's been able to move around the pocket, but decision making wise, I was very hopeful. I was optimistic even to say maybe this is a situation that we had a previous year. Right, maybe Hoover steps in, fills big shoes, and carries this team to a bowl game, or carries this team to maybe even a Big Twelve championship appearance. I don't think they're going to win the Big Twelve. I would, I would have told you that when Chandler Morris was still under center. I don't think this TCU team is good enough, talent-wise, to win the Big Twelve. You can tell that off in the first couple weeks of the season, the way that the the Horn Frogs are playing. But now. Now you're playing for your bowl game or your bowl season life. You're playing for postseasons. The other part of this, and this is what really is frustrating. I saw this uh, take on a different media site, and I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Right? If you're going to sit down and watch a game, this is a hypothetical. 
if you're going to sit down to watch a game, would you rather watch a team whose offense was really good, you come into the game knowing the offense is really good, and the offense struggles, but the defense steps up, or is you rather go into a game knowing that the defense of a team is really good? You know the defense is good. That's where they make their money. That's where they make their bread and butter. And you go to watch that game, and the defense struggles, but the offense really steps up. Well, which one would you rather go see? And for TCU this season, the offense was the calling card. The offense should be the calling card for TCU. When you have an offensive-minded head coach in Sonny Dykes, when you have the success that TCU has had over the past decade in this conference, the way that they've been able to throw the ball around the field, the way the, this team is just essentially built, the fan base is accustomed to seeing good offense, high-flying offense. When the offense struggles, that, that's a problem. Like The way the offense has struggled this year has been a problem. But I would say what's more frustrating is when you see the stats at the end of the game. And Now, I've been keeping up with this over the past couple weeks. Uh, because TCU's defense was suspect to me last season. Now, they played really well last year, and they had multiple guys go in the league last year. So I was wrong to have any questions about that. But when you come into this game against Texas, and you look at the numbers from Thursday night's game, TCU, 25 missed tackles. That's the new season high for the Frogs. 19 missed tackles against Kansas State and Colorado. Those two losses, of course, embarrassing as well in the Colorado loss at least it was embarrassing from a defensive point of view but the offense was well enough doing well enough that they had a chance to win the game at the end of the, at the end of the day they had a chance to win because of the offense now Kansas State totally different story Kansas State was just a better team than TCU this year you will find you will be hard pressed to find anybody that disagrees with that statement that Kansas State is a more talented team than TCU very few people will disagree with that. I I mean, like, let's be honest here. They shut TCU out. They kept them out of the end zone. That's hard to do any year, let alone this year, where things have been pretty good. Uh, but then you consider this. Texas Tech, they ran 78 plays, meaning TCU's average missed, average missed one tackle on 32% of the Red Raiders' offensive snaps. 32% of the plays Texas Tech ran on Thursday night. TCU's defense missed a tackle. That's insane. You cannot win games like that. And, of course, TCU doesn't win. They have a chance at the end to win, 35-28 uh, loss to Lubbock. But, you know, where do we go from here? And the bigger question to me as we go into this Texas game is who's coaching for their job? Now, I don't think that Sonny Dykes is the problem. I really don't. I think that this is a problem that in this first year of things, after having the success they had last year, you set the bar so high. There's no way that this is a situation where people are thinking in the front office and the athletic director's office at any booster club meeting or anything else like that. There's no way anybody's having any conversations about Sunny Dykes and talking about potentially moving off of a guy who won – I want to say 20 Coach of the Year awards last season. There's no way you move off a guy like that. I, I just don't think so. But Joe Gillespie and Kendall Bryles both are coaching for their lives these next two weeks. If the TCU offense comes out looking stale, if the play calling and the play script in the first quarter, the first half of these games, comes out looking the way that it has, Kendall Bryles will be on his first 
that he will get the first ticket out of Fort Worth. And this stinks because there's so much good stuff happening, right? The Rangers just win the World Series. I'm, I'm over the moon about that. I know a lot of you are too. We're super excited about that. But then we come back to this. I almost said a bad word there. We come back to this football team that has not produced to the level that they should be producing. There's no excuse to lose to Texas Tech last week. Uh, they have a backup quarterback who is unproven to the same point that Josh Hoover's unproven. But the difference is, is that they have a game plan and they played against a defense that doesn't want to tackle anybody. It's allergic to making tackles. So that is the difference. So then you come into a game like this against Texas, and this is an interesting stat for you too as we, as we record this podcast on a Monday. TCU, if they miss a bowl, they'll be the first team since 2010, which was the University of Texas, this is what we call a segue, to miss the postseason after reaching the national championship. Now, it should be noted for you historians who are listening to the podcast that LSU also missed the postseason in 2020 after going 5-5 five and five in the SEC. That was a weird season, if you remember, we condensed it. So that doesn't really count when you talk about normal seasons. This could be the first time since 2010 Longhorns to miss the playoffs. With three games left and then two against ranked opponents and another against a rival, TCU must win two games to become bowl eligible, and they play arguably the best team in the conference in Texas this week, and then they play Baylor, and then they finish the season against Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma is an interesting one. They've been proven that they can get God, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I don't want to get jumped so far into the future, but I will say this, that that Oklahoma team that lost to Kansas, a ranked Kansas team, I might argue Kansas is a better, more complete team than TCU this year. And you know me. I don't t- say these things lightly. I don't like Kansas. I don't, I don't think Kansas is a team that uh, deserves a ton of respect. This season, though, they do. This season, Kansas is better than TCU. Then you think about what Oklahoma did this past weekend, losing in Bedlam to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State fans and Aggie fans are the exact same. You've lived in the state of Texas long enough. You know the AM fans absolutely despise Texas. Texas, for the past decade, has had the uh, eternal scoreboard over Little Brother because they haven't played, right? Oklahoma State knows that. They see what Texas fans say about AM. They know AM fans lose sleep at night every Thanksgiving that they lost that game in 2012. You know what Oklahoma State didn't do? They didn't lose to Oklahoma. You can't look at the game at Bedlam and say, well, Oklahoma State, you know, are they really good? Is Mike Gundy a good coach? I think that's debatable. Uh, they're a complete team at this point. They look a lot better than they did at the beginning of the season. But I don't take a ton of stock from that game. I don't look at that game and say we can take that result and pull it over to TCU. I just don't because that's a rivalry game, a game that TCU plays at the end of the season against Oklahoma. That game will be the last time these two teams play, maybe ever. Outside of a postseason bowl game, it might be the last two times TCU and Oklahoma play, which is sucks because it's a nice commute. It's easy drive from Fort Worth to Norman. It, 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 they're geographically close enough that there could should be a rivalry there. It's a shame that these super conferences are kind of ruining all that. All that being said, Texas this week, it's, a, it's the biggest game on the schedule, 
because this is a game that if you lose, you might be done. <laughs> the TCU season might end on Saturday. Now, granted, they play two more games, but that's where the season might end because I don't know if you can get Oklahoma. And I know you should on paper beat Baylor, but the way the TCU's played this past week, couple weeks, you can't guarantee anything, right? Since joining the Big 12, here's another stat for you. Since joining the Big 12, TCU owns an 8-3 advantage over Texas. 2022, uh, they won, they've won. they won four straight uh, in 2014 and 2017. This is the last two times these two teams will play for the foreseeable future. Now, if you remember, Texas is moving some things around on their plate to try to get a non-conference game at the beginning of their season. And TCU has said they're not playing the iron skillet anymore against SMU. The rumor had, or the rumor was, was that TCU and Texas would be the non-conference rivalry game to start the season for both these teams. So it would be in the first two or three weeks. I love that idea. I think that's a great idea. Crystal Conte, of course, the AD for Texas, formerly of TCU. I think that this makes a ton of sense. I think that that would be great. But without that, okay, let's pretend that that doesn't exist. Pretend those that that rumor doesn't is it has no truth to it. This will be the last two times these two teams play. Texas holds the all-time record over TCU, but recently TCU has kind of owned the Longhorns. Game is in Austin, and this is what's weird. So TCU has the long week to kind of prepare for Texas, right? They played on Thursday, so they have a couple extra days of rest, two extra days of rest before they now have to play again on Saturday. So they have a full nine day or yeah, nine days of rest before playing Texas. Uh, what's interesting in this case is that normally when you have extra time, your coaching staff and the players can kind of watch film. You have an idea who you're going to play. As we record this podcast, we don't know if Malik uh, Murray is going to be the head co- or be the, uh, the guy under center or if it's going to be Quinn Ewers. Texas has some options here. Now, Quinn, clearly the obvious better quarterback between the two. Quinn Ewers allegedly going to go to the NFL after the season. Uh, Malik Murphy, who came into the season as quarterback number three, worked himself up the depth chart over Archie Manning, the superstar freshman who is now going to redshirt a season. He's not going to play this year. Um, He's thrown over 400 yards and three TDs in his last three starts. And including that win over K-State this past weekend that went to overtime where Kansas State kind of got a taste of their own medicine. Kind of felt like Texas big-boyed them a little bit. And Kansas State big-boyed TCU. So and it feels good to be on the other end of that, right? I don't know how many people take solace in Texas winning any games in this conference. But watching that one, I kind of was rooting for Texas over K-State. I kind of don't want to see K-State win any games. So Malik Murphy... He's also thrown three interceptions in his last three games. Uh, the Longhorn offense, they have multiple ways to beat teams. If you remember, they beat an elite defense in Alabama early in the season. Four opponents have failed to crack 10 points, uh, and the front seven removes the run game from the equation completely. Well, what's nice about that stat is that TCU has removed the run game from their playbook completely too. So it doesn't matter if the front seven does good against the run. TCU wants to throw the ball a thousand times a game. So who cares if we don't have a run game, right? I say that sarcastically. I say that hoping that Kendall Bryles will find a way to put a wrinkle in the play call to have some sort of run game. You can't not run the ball. You have to find a way to get Bailey the ball to get him touches. Um, this season, Texas is 11th in the nation in yards per rush allowed. 
They've successfully uh, pretty much ate up the ground game against teams like Alabama and, of course, Kansas State that ran all over the field against TCU. In the contest on Saturday, 6.30 kickoff on ABC, nationally televised game, TCU gets a host to the Longhorns. So they probably will get uh, a little bit of more media publicity around the team, but they are going to be a 10-point dog at home against uh, the Longhorns. So if I was a betting man, I would hope that TCU can uh, cover the spread, but when you look at the way that these two teams match up, this is not only the best team that TCU's played, not only is this a team that beat the team that beat the brakes off of them a couple weeks ago in Kansas State, but if Quinn Ewers is back for this game after coming off of an AC joint injury on his throwing arm, if he plays to 80% or 85% of what he is uh, uh, capable of, it's going to be a long day for Horned Frog fans. The key to beat t- Texas is you got to limit mistakes. You cannot turn the ball over. Hoover threw a bad interception in the second half against uh, Texas Tech on Thursday. You can't do that against Texas. If you want to beat the Longhorns, you have to limit the mistakes, and you have to, have to, have to stop the pass game, passing game. If Texas can run the ball on you, like every other team has been able to, it seems like, that is a problem, right? Of course that's going to be a problem. But if Quinn Ewers can take the top off the defense like he did against Alabama, like he did uh, against some of these other teams, that will be a a real sign, I think, early in this one, how this game is going to go. If Texas can come out of the gate, run the ball, break tackles, if TCU continues to be allergic to making tackles, this game is going to be a runaway in favor of the Longhorns. I really, really want TCU to surprise me in this game and get the win. I just don't know if they can. Uh, all right, let's do positive news. Back into the podcast. Got to do some positive news here. Got to end the podcast feeling good, feeling uptight. Let's do it. So TCU kicker Griffin Kell, he got nominated for the Burlsworth uh, Trophy. So he is nominated for the 2023 award. It is given to an outstanding college football player who begins his career as a walk-on. The fifth-year senior for the Horned Frogs, Kelly converted 50 field goals over and over 150 extra points throughout his career in Fort Worth. Now, the award was created in 2010 with past winners including Stetson Bennett from Georgia, Hunter Renfro from Clemson, and then, of course, two-time winner up the road in uh, Oklahoma, Baker Mayfield. So, Kelly nominated for the trophy. I imagine that this will probably be one of the few uh, postseason awards that TCU players win this year. I still am holding out hope. That uh, the defense uh, back, the beef defensive backs can get some awards here, but I, I just don't know. Uh, and then finally, a gold medal to TCU women's beach volleyball. They win gold at the AVCA Pairs National Championship. Haley Hamlet and Alina Kimmel they crown national champions at the AVCA Collegiate Beach National Pairs Championship on Sunday in Huntsville, Alabama. The duo, a perfect 8-0 on the weekend. They defeated UCLA in three sets to advance to the finals, and then they defeated Stanford to secure first-place finish and win the program's first AVCA Collegiate Beach National Pairs Championship title. So anytime national champion is attached to your name, that's a huge deal anytime that that award is coming back to Fort Worth. It's an even bigger deal. TCU Beach Volleyball finishes its fall season victorious, as the AVCA Paris Championship concludes fall play for the Horn Frogs. So congratulations to those two incredible female athletes, and hopefully they 
create more success, right, for not only this program but for TCU as a whole. Anytime you can get a little bit of a spark going in any program and you can kind of try to carry that throughout all the other programs, it uh, it helps things out. Basketball starts tonight. We are recording this on Monday night. TCU Women's Basketball takes on Oral Roberts. So we will start recording these podcasts on Tuesday, hopefully to kind of catch some of that Monday-Tuesday action for men's and women's hoops. Uh, we're kind of recap what happens weekends, talk about what's coming up in the future. Of course, basketball season, super fun. Uh, I was listening to a different uh, podcast this week talking about how college some college football teams, when your team is eliminated from playoff contention, right, as there's still a four-team playoff, when there's 12 teams, it'll be later in the season. But when your team's eliminated from college football playoff contention and you're only looking for a bowl game, you can kind of take a step back and spend a little bit less time really being concerned about the wins and losses. Like the difference between six wins and eight wins for some of these programs, eh, it's not, it's kind of minuscule, right? You just get to a bowl game and you hope that you win your bowl game. And that's where most college bowl fans are. And then you can kind of switch over and say, well, you know, we've always been a basketball school. So hopefully that happens with TCU. I like uh, where this, both these programs are heading. Uh, be on the lookout for women's basketball this year for TCU because they are going to be really special. I, I think that this is going to be one of those first seasons for uh, Mark Campbell, who is the new head coach. It's going to be one of those really quick turnarounds if uh, everything kind of falls the way that I believe it will fall and that this program can go from single-digit wins last year to maybe you're looking at 18 wins, hopefully, maybe flirt with 20. We'll see what happens. And finally, I want to slip this in here at the very end this is our 52nd podcast, which if we do a weekly podcast, that means we've done it for a whole calendar year. It's hard to believe that we've done a year's worth of Hypno Hypnotoad podcast. I want to thank everybody who tuned in from the very beginning. And if you joined in as time has gone on, thank you, thank you, thank you. We are one of the fastest growing college football, college sports podcasts in uh, the country, the whole network, I should say, not just me, but the whole network. We're really growing uh, here on a, the Harlan College Sports Podcast Network. Thank you for not only supporting this podcast, but the entire network and uh, supporting college sports online as well. Harlan College Sports Online as well, because that website is doing really well. Uh, our friends Pete Mundo and everybody else who does all the writing and does all the recaps. It's been great to be part of the team. And uh, yeah, a year of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for supporting. That's going to do it for us this week. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get the Hypnotoad podcast. And, of course, you can always win a free Harlan College Sports koozie by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and sending it to the boss, Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. We will see you next week right here, same time, same place, Horned Frog fans.